Welcome to refreshing, energizing business talk. This is Think Tank, conversations in a digital world, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Get ready to hear from industry executives and thought leaders on the best strategies and technologies to drive your business forward in times of uncertainty and accelerate success. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Think Tank Conversations in a Digital World. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. And we have a fascinating topic for you today. I'm going to drop a hyphenated word on you and see what you think about it. Future proofing. Oh my, is it real? Is it possible? Is it controversial? We're going to find about all that and more about it. So let me read a buzz quote. I actually looked it up on Wikipedia of all places. Let me read a little bit from it and then I'll give you an intro and then we're going to meet our three experts on the topic. And this should be a very, very lively conversation. So future proofing is the process of anticipating the future and developing methods of minimizing the effects of shocks and stresses of future events. In general, the two Future proof refers to the ability of something to continue to be of value into the distant future so it does not become obsolete. Again, that's a quote from Wikipedia. So let me tell you what we're really talking about here today. We hear it all the time. Leaders are told they need to future-proof their businesses. But what does it really mean in terms of real business terms? One thing is clear. You, I'm talking to our global business audience, you must start with a solid foundation of your business and be ready to change. And that's the big scary word here is change. In the currently evolving post-pandemic world, and yes, this is April 2021, a lot of the world is getting vaccinated, and we are entering what we can really call the post-pandemic era. It can be difficult to determine when your company has that solid foundation. Is it the one you had before the pandemic? Probably not. And while the drivers remain the same, come on, you want to be resilient. You want to have consistent business outcomes, and you want to support continuous business innovation. Of course, you want to drive profits and growth. The way this is achieved now may be radically different in the rest of 2021 and beyond. What do you sell? Who are your customers? What's their buying behavior? What about your employees? How do you incentivize them? How do you attract the best talent? How do you keep them there? How do you get them to address customer needs? We have three experts today. We have Deloitte's Mike Bechtel with us. We have SAP's Torsten Leidek with us. And we have Deloitte's Arjun Krishnamurthy. We're going to ask them for their insights on the best way your business, our, our listeners around the world, can prepare for what we're going to loosely call a semi-known future. Future-proofing? Is it here to stay? Welcome, welcome, welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Let's go around the table and have my panelists introduce themselves. Mike Bechtel, I'm putting you on full speaker view. Why don't you introduce yourself? And Mike, I still think there's about 2.3 people around the world who either never heard of you or don't remember who you are. And in either case, I'm going to say shame on them. So Mike Bechtel, refresh their memory. Go ahead. Well, Bonnie, thanks for having me on as always. And uh, hey, everybody, or at least... Hey, 2.3 folks. Um, <laughs> you know, just a, a bit about myself. Uh, so I, I work as chief futurist for Deloitte, which neatly divides any, any audience into about equal halves. Half of the people lean in and say, huh, that's neat. And then the other half lean back, fold their arms and say, okay, tough guy, bring it. But I guess I would just say, how do you get a, a role like that? Well, my journey to current, it's, it's been colorful. I, I started out after majoring in anthropology and political science and philosophy, economics, liberal arts stuff in, in college. I went into technology because in 1998, if you could spell WWW, congratulations, they handed you a laptop and a latte and told you to go and, 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 and be a developer. And so after being an inventor and creating newfangled tech for 10 years, I changed hats and became an investor. I, I worked, uh, co-founded a venture capital firm where we played matchmaker between big stuck companies in tiny little startups that had unwittingly built a cure for what ailed them. Uh, on the back of those two different sets of work, the invention and the investment, uh, I fell into cahoots with Deloitte, where, again, we saw a lot of our big you know, big clients and customers saying, hey, well, not just what's best or what's new, but hey, psst, what's next? And so uh, that's me in a nutshell is, is trying to balance possibility with, with profitability and, and having fun along the way. 
Very interesting. Mike, it's always fun to hear you tell your story. I love the part about fell into cahoots with Deloitte. We're going to have to see see what they say about that. <laughs> I like that. But, the, but what's next? Isn't that really what any business is wanting? I didn't say dying to know, wanting to know right now. What's next? And future-proofing. I have to do a shout-out to Brad Borkin and Susan Walker at SAP who sponsored the series. Brad, the topic of future-proofing, it's time that we talked about this. It really is because that, I, to me, encapsulates the whole idea of, right, Mike Bechtel, what is next? And how yeah. do we stay there so we experience the next? What were you going to say, Mike? No, I just just uh, a, a big smile and nod in your direction that if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that what got us to current won't necessarily get us beyond. And so we're, you know, we're really seeing that futurism practices a strategic discipline, right? Not crystal balls, right? Mm -hmm. Foresight frameworks. There's a difference between uh, high performance and, you know, uh, lean, effective, all that jazz and adaptable and flexible and able to take a punch in the mouth. Well put. Wow, we got a lot, a lot of picture words here. Thank you, Mike. I want to steal the stage away from you and go to a gentleman I've known for years. He did a series, a Game Changers radio series with me at SAP, and I miss him dearly, and I'm happy you're back. Hello, Torsten Leidick. So nice to see you here. For our listeners, I'm doing this show on Zoom, so I get to see my guests. I get to watch them think, watch them speak, and watch them emote right in front of me. And Torsten, I'm so happy to literally and figuratively see you. So, Torsten, would you do us the honor, please, of introducing yourself to the Business Channel audience, to the Think Tank audience? What have you been up to, and why are you here? Torsten, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie, and it's great to be on the show again. Really appreciate it, and thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. So my name is Tos Moiduk. I'm here with SAP, and I'm driving our ecosystem activities in the platform and technology area. And what we really do is help our customers to drive innovation so that they can adjust to the current needs. And the pandemic has obviously accelerated those needs to drive digital strategies, which will usually end up in phases from years into a couple of weeks or months, and help those customers through innovation, through future-proof approach to really set up in an IT environment and a business environment, which is agile, which allows them to react to changing customer demand effectively, but also obviously to differentiate in the marketplace to be more successful and get obviously more revenue and market share achieved. Torsten. You're an expert on future-proofing. You're here for this. What's your background in looking at the next? What brings you here? What's your expertise? Well, I think we have been working, obviously, with customers and with partners who always ask us consistently. That's basically the essence of the business, what we are driving. You know, how do I prepare my business and my environment that it's future-proof and that I'm able to be uh, that I can react in a flexible and agile way to the changing customer demand, but also to disruption in the market. We see this obviously with the pandemic, but obviously, frankly, also prior when new industry players came in and totally disrupted established industries like the hotel business, for example, Airbnb, or obviously with iTunes um, in the music world and the content side. Right. So we are dealing with this every day. This is what we help our customers to achieve. They, they set up an environment that they drive their IT strategy and their business strategy in a way that they can react and prepare for a future environment in an effective way. Thank you very much, Torsten. Happy to have you here. Deep expertise there. And now let's go to our other Deloitte panelist, Arjun Krishnamurthy. Arjun, it's been a while since we've spoken. I don't know if we've actually been on a Zoom call before, so I'm very happy to see you. And Arjun, would you please reintroduce yourself to the business world? Go ahead, Arjun. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Bonnie, and everybody this morning. I'm very, very excited to be here. Uh, Arjun Krishnamurthy, I'm a partner with Deloitte. I actually, my day job is helping large retail and consumer clients and, and, and organizations shift to more digital world with you know, deep technology implementations with innovation on top of it. I've been doing that uh, over the last 15 years, but the way I got to this was uh, I started off as a, 
a public accountant. I'm still a recovering public accountant. But when I was in that role, there was a lot of things that could be automated, could be innovated, but very hard for me to do it in that role. So I wanted to use technology and innovation to, in a way to disrupt the way things are done. So I've been very, very uh, privileged to be able to help large uh, you know, retail and consumer companies achieve that. And especially over the last three or four years with um, sort of lots of disruption in the cloud-based uh, you know, innovation choices that have come up, I've been able to not just implement the core capabilities, but with all these driving innovations that are happening, how do we exactly extract the value of their investments and with a low debt, but maximum value, right? So connect the dots from not just being tech for the sake of tech or innovation for the sake of innovation, but what does it really mean from a value perspective? And even from a future perspective, why should I invest in helping our uh, organizations think through the why and the value proposition for every investment and time we that invest in innovation. Very happy to be here. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate that. And now is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie, from a song lyric, from uh, we've expanded it to TV show characters. People ran out of movies to quote, gentlemen. That was why I've expanded. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Must have been because people started quoting TV shows. So I said, okay. And uh, they're sending me a quote that has, on the surface, literally nothing to do with our topic, and they're going to tell us why they picked the quote, and in their own words, what it does have to do with our topic. So this should be interesting. Mike Bechtel has sent us a quote from The Buggles, 1979. If I tell you what the name of the song is, that's the line, but let me just give a little background. The Buggles were an English new wave band formed in London in 1977 by singer and bassist Trevor Horn and keyboardist Jeffrey Downs. And the best-known song was their 1979 debut single, Video Kill the Radio Star. It Did I do that okay, Mike? It topped the UK singles charts and reached number one in 15 countries, and it became the first ever shown music video on MTV in the U.S. on August 1st, 1981. So the quote is, video killed the radio star, and I hope you're not talking about me. Mike Bechtel, rescue me. How does this have to do with our topic, future-proofing? Go ahead. Uh, you, you got it, Bonnie. I, you know, um, I love I love this one because it speaks to it speaks to how a platform shift can blow up a proven business model. Uh, a lot of our listeners may or may not be familiar with uh, who was topping the charts right before MTV came around. It was Christopher Cross, a talented songwriter and crooner by any measure, but let's uh, let's generously say not not a visual artist. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was to be heard, not seen. Yep. And then here comes Madonna and Michael Jackson and all the spectacle that followed the, the video revolution. Well, one of the things we see as futurists is that it's very rarely your competitor who puts you out of business. It's some platform change or, or somebody with no business being in your business that puts you out of business. And so whether we're talking about the move to social media or the move to uh, blockchain, or the decentralization of this, or quantum computing that, it's these seismic shifts that threaten our efforts to future-proof, and uh, hence, hence that song quote. Nobody Thank saw TV coming. Nobody did. Isn't that interesting? And I will tell you, Mike, briefly that when I was a teenager, and I won't tell you when that was, <laughs> um, I listened to, I watched American Bandstand, and I saw some of the singers and the groups performing on, on the stage in Philadelphia with Dick Clark. But when I bought their records, which were mostly 45 RPMs in those days, I wanted to imagine in my mind what the singer looked like and about whom they were singing, the boy meets girl and the car and the crash or whatever. And then they started showing music videos and I said don't tell me who I'm thinking about I want to imagine it so I didn't watch music videos for my face I didn't want to see the video of the song I wanted to to imagine it was it was the song for me anyway sidebar thank you very much Mike uh, somebody just commented in the chat it's not your competitor who puts you out of business very very bold statement there Mike and we'll be talking about that more let's go to Torsten Torsten has sent us a quote from Mr. Spark I can't don't think I can do that I don't know how many fingers to put up there Torsten can you do that for me <laughs> Mr. Spark played by oh, the inimitable really. one. <laughs> 
gentlemen, <laughs> one and only somebody, Mike, yeah, <laughs> live long and prosper, Leonard Nimoy. It was Star Trek, the original series, and the top, the actual episode was Let That Be Your Last Battlefield from 1969. If anybody alive doesn't know, Star Trek is an American sci-fi media franchise originating from the 1960s TV series Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry. It has generated since 1998 only 7.8 billion dollars in revenue. It's one of the highest grossing media franchises of all times. And we might have in our listening audience some Trekkies. Trekkies, those are people who follow Star Trek. So, and it had the, the TV's first multiracial cast. Very, very interesting. Here's the quote Torsten has picked from the vast lore of Star Trek quotes. Change is the essential process of all existence. Torsten, how did you find this nugget in all the quotable moments in Star Trek? Torsten, I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right, right? I mean, I think Star Trek is obviously like a well-known series. And um, I like this quote when I, you know, was watching one of the movies, I came in directly into my mind. Because it obviously shows what this is all about, right? And I think we will also have this conversation a bit later. What does future proof really mean? Because if there's consistent change and the process and change is basically the pose of all existence, right? Can you really set up something up for a future proof environment, right? Or is it more to prepare to be future ready? Now, obviously, Star Trek and the whole science fiction writers are really the philosophers of the modern world. I think they are the futurists who have all those great ideas. And I think we have seen many of those when you go back to movies, maybe even prior to 69, where inventions and ideas really became reality. Now, in this specific example, right, it's really about a population which has more evolved from the normal human being and where they had colored skin and kind of mutant. And then obviously as then the colors changed when they were two-faced, one was white and black and then right on the white, left, black on the uh, left. And then there's one mutant was the other way around, which created a lot of turmoil because it was just unbelievable that this could even exist. So, and I think in the business environment, it's very similar. We also much focused on the traditional competitors, the traditional environment that nobody really anticipates necessarily that could be coming in something totally different, right? And this is obviously, you know, from a competitive perspective, true, but obviously also from a changing environment. And the pandemic has just proven that everything which had been established before becomes irrelevant potentially tomorrow. So to really prepare and to be ready to really deal and embrace change on a consistent basis is critical. And I think this is why this quote is so, um, you know, relates so well to this topic, because this is what we need to talk about in this session in a bit more detail and how we help our uh, the companies and uh, businesses out there to really be ready for this change and deal with it in an, uh, you know, in a prepared way. Thank you, Torsten. Very interesting explanation for the quote. And, and to me, an equally important quote from Star Trek is live long and prosper, because isn't that what businesses want to do? It Couldn't that be Mike Bechtel and, and Arjun and Torsten, couldn't that be a subset of our topic today is, as Spock says, live long and prosper. Businesses want to live long and they want to prosper, right? They want to future proof. They want to survive, live long, and they want to make money. Torsten? You just gave us a double quote, even though you didn't know it. Thank you very much. Thank you for sparking that in moi. I appreciate that. Let's go to Arjun. Arjun has sent us a quote from Yev Kassem, which nobody may know who that character is. It's the soup Nazi played by Larry Thomas in Seinfeld. And the episode I found for this one, Arjun, is the 116th episode of the NBC sitcom Seinfeld, which was the sixth episode of the seventh season. That's a lot of THs and TH is the 116th, the 6th, the 7th. It first aired in the U.S. on November 2nd, 1995. And it had something to do with an armoire and Elaine and Kramer and the one who was banned. Here's, here's the quote. I'll let you explain it, Arjun. No soup for you. Okay, Arjun, what are we having for lunch today? Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Bonnie. This is, this is actually um, interesting because... W- when I look at the, 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 the way this sparked in my head was when I look at a lot of the organizations, when they are trying to go towards future proofing and innovation, and it's more with a soup Nazi mentality where should I follow these rules and adhere to that? And I hope, you know, I can be successful and I'm not being said no soup for you versus a more, how do I prosper? How do I, how do I be the disruptor attitude? 
So in most cases, what happens is people get to that um, finish line and they, they hear the noodle soup for you as the answer, unfortunately. And then they look back. I thought I did all the right investments. I did all the you know, things I was supposed to do. I missed the boat, right? But this is, this is not the soup Nazi line, but this is a completely different perspective. So that's, that's my take. So every time I look at uh, some of the organizations looking at this problem statement, I, I just chuckle internally that this is the more of a soup Nazi case. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting, Arjun. It was actually applied to Elaine. She was banned from soup for a year, but George was the one who complained about no bread and he had his soup taken away and his money given back, but he wasn't the one who was banned. Such a beloved series talking about nothing. Absolutely. The series about nothing. Anyway, thank you very much, gentlemen. I really appreciate the quotes. We had some iconic lines in there, and I thank all of you. Mike Bechtel, it's time to start the roundtable. We're going to do a deep dive into our topic. If you're just tuning in, this is Think Tank. We're talking conversations in a digital world. I'm Bonnie D. Graham here with Mike Bechtel at Deloitte, Torsten Leidick at SAP, and Arjun Krishnamurthy also from Deloitte. And our topic is time for answers. What does future proofing actually mean? We're talking to you, business leaders, business owners, business, anybody to do with any business around the world in our global listenership. So thank you for listening. Now we're going to get to our roundtable, as I said, and here's the statement that Mike Bechtel sent me as his number one statement. I'm going to ask Mike to unpack it. A lot to unpack here. Very controversial. That's what Mike Bechtel does. Take about two to three minutes to unpack it, and then we'll get Torsten to agree or disagree. Torsten, do not be afraid of Mike. It's okay to disagree. And Arjun, (laughs) you get to talk to both of them, agree or disagree, and let's build this one out. So very controversial, I think, or maybe provocative. Mike says, future-proofing is folly. The goal should be forwards compatibility. A lot of words in there. Mike Bechtel, you're up. Talk to me. Well, first things first, I'm a sucker for alliteration. So half of the reason I chose folly was because it matched with future. Okay. But that said, <laughs> that said here, here's, here's what I'm saying. Where, where people get foresight studies or futurist work wrong is they presume that we are in the prediction racket, right? They presume that like Babe Ruth calling the shot with the famous, you know, I'm going to hit the ball there. Then he hits the ball. Oh my goodness. He hit it there. He's a genius. Well, the problem with using the word future singular is that when you get it right, you get too much credit. And when you get it wrong, it becomes a cheesy game of gotcha. Mm. And so what, what we as futurists have learned starting with H.G. Wells way back when, all the way through Toffler and Webb and all the leaders, is that when we talk about futurism or futurist work, we need to talk in plurals, futures. And when you talk about futures, you think of it like a cone, like a flashlight. We study the past and the present to figure out some non-controversial probabilities, and then towards the fringes, some plausible possibilies, some things, mm. yeah, it probably yeah, it might not happen, but it could. And when you lay all these out, you realize, okay, prediction doesn't cut it. It's more like projection. And so in turn, to future proof means that you're over indexing on stopping any one thing from happening, like plugging holes in a, in a cartoon boat, right? A- ain't going to work, ain't going to scale. And so rather... Forwards compatibility, a term, a, a term we've coined, think of it like this. My son tells me this past Christmas, dad, I, I, um, I, I have a, a business case for why I want the new Xbox. I said, mm-hmm. huh, what, you're, you're 15, what? <laughs> he says, no, no, dad, first of all, it's great and 4K this and processor that, but it's backwards compatible. I said, well, you know, tough guy, I've worked in tech. I know what that means. Your old games will work right? It plays nicely with the past. Well, I think our, our responsibility as leaders isn't to future-proof so much as to be forwards compatible, to play nicely with multiple futures. Because if we recognize that things could go many different ways, we can make risk-adjusted bets to manage them as a group, as opposed to say, oh, it's going to be that one. And we've defended ourselves against that one thing perfectly. 
that, that's that's where, where, where my head's at. Very interesting. I like the alliteration. We need another F word in there, and we will just leave that one alone. Torsten Leidick. <laughs> Torsten Leidick. I'm being very polite. Torsten comments, future-proofing. Is it folly? Is it fictitious folly, Mike? Or is it something else? But Torsten, rescue me here. What do you think? Agree or disagree? Oh, I, I think obviously, you know, it, it depends a little bit on the various layers, how you look at this and how you put it in context, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, right, what, when you put, how do you define future proofness goes back to my initial comment, right? Is it really to help to prepare and establish a solid foundation which allows you to be future proof, for example, in an IT and in a platform environment, right? This is likely a bit different than when you talk about future proving in, for example, investment banking or in, you know, in organizational setups and market trends, right? So I think this, the context is to a certain extent important how you define it. And then secondly, you know, how, you know, what is really what you want to future proof, right? Is it the business? Is it an organization? Is it you know, something else, right? So from my perspective, to to put us a bit in context and the environment I'm dealing with, right, we get those, we, as I mentioned during the introduction, we get a lot of requests from customers who ask us to say, hey, we have obviously this challenge with the digital transformation, with our IT environment. How do we get us to the next level and how do we make sure we can establish an environment which is agile, flexible, allows us to change to, uh, the business uh, to to react to changing business environments very effectively and obviously you know set us up for and strategy which allows us to make sure the invests which we are doing today are somehow future proof and protected but also you know give us the tools and the mechanism to make sure that we can react to change in the future and to trends as well. So I think it's more about, you know, how do you provide the tools, the mechanisms, the environment, the foundation, and in the IT world, the platform, if you will, to help customers to, you know, to have everything together so that they can react effectively to changing customer demand, supply chain disruption, obviously, you know, um, and buying trends and new innovators and this business disruptors in the marketplace. Thank you very much, Torsten. Let's get Arjun in here. Arjun, agree or disagree with either or both? Talk to us. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And also, I want to add more, right? I won't, I won't even say it's not even a folly. I think it's a false perspective, uh, future-proofing. Because to me, it, the whole word future-proofing uh, should be redefined. I, I never use the word future-proof. I've always used the word future-readiness, right? It, it mm. is, sort of resonates with what uh, Mike was saying. Because... Proofing almost, you know, you have a uh, bias that there is something working against you and you're trying to protect yourself. And it's a very protectionist perspective versus future readiness is about bring it on. Let me use the newer platforms that are coming on in order to make the new world that I want to make. That's one half of the argument. The other thing is uh, what I want to add to what Mike was saying is there is a thumb in the scale that you can put to drive the future, Right. So what's your role to define that future? If you, the research proves that the, 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 you know, the trillion-dollar companies that are right now, just like the, um, the Apples and the Amazons and, and Teslas getting there, they were defining the future versus future-proofing themselves, right? So, so um, that's one of the things that we should help organizations to drive that mindset is understanding the environment so that how can you maximize your output to the your world using the new environment? And where can you influence and disrupt and create the new future that is more uh, conducive to where you can thrive? Thank you very much. Mike Bechtel, you started this. What do you think? Get back at them. Anything you want to say back? Just appreciate the builds. And Torsten, you're right. The domain matters. Right? The domain matters for sure technology versus finance versus medicine, tip of the hat to you and a great point. And and I think Arjun, cliches are cliches for a reason. And you're right. You're right, man. Uh, What what do they say? The best way to predict the future is to create it. And uh, let's get busy as actors. 
There you go. Very, very well put. And there are so many people who've said different versions of that, Mike. If you look it up on Quote Investigator, the best way to create the to invent the future, create it, create the future, invent it. Everybody from Drucker to probably Benjamin Franklin, somebody said some version. But the reason they're all saying it is because it's true, right? Let's get busy. I'm thinking as you're all speaking, I'm thinking about companies that didn't have any provision for remote workers. Think about what happened in 2020. Buildings shut down. Factories almost, or in some cases, shut down. What were the provisions? What was this forwards compatibility? Did you allow anybody to work remotely, or was that a no-no only if your kids are sick? <laughs> and did you, do you have the the technology to enable secure transmission of information from an offsite place and allow your your employees, your staff, to basically be comfortable and be secure and feel like they're still contributing? And if you didn't have that, look at what happened, right, Torsten, right, Arjun? They, if they didn't have that in their infrastructure and to some companies like, no, you have to be here. Everybody has to be in the office because we only work well face-to-face. Well, you couldn't. So what happened? Interesting. Thank you very much. Torsten, I'm looking at your statements now. You sent such interesting comments here. Statement number two I'm going to go with. You say, it is essential that organizations turn data into business value and have a consolidated view across all their data assets and can achieve insight, make real-time decisions, especially during times of rapid change. So how does turning data into business value, we want to talk about that, future-proof or forward-compatible for companies? Torsten, go ahead. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, the pandemic has really shown the weaknesses, therefore, many of the companies who were dealing and were impacted by changing behavior in the marketplace, right? So, I mean, we all agree like that a lot of companies and enterprises, and also when you go across the social media, there's a lot of data out there and it's also being collected and stored. But, you know, the challenge is obviously, how do you turn this into value that it's relevant for you as a business? How do you really gain, you know, actionable insights from this data so that you can make real-time decisions and how do you can add intelligence for simulation and planning, which really helps you to basically simulate certain um, events in the future. So to the coming back to the point so that you're prepared to be future ready. I like, by the way, this term much better mm-hmm. than future proof. Yeah. So that you have options on the table, how to react, right? And to, to have this kind of insight, you need obviously and strategy and an approach which allows you really to, on the one hand side, process all different kinds of data which might be distributed across different systems and different sources, also structured and structured, bring it together in a consolidated view, and then obviously apply the uh, required analytics, the required the, the according intelligence on top of that so that you can create predictable scenarios which help you to be more effective and to be and to reacting to change in the market and in the environment to really be successfully set up, you know, on from a long-term perspective. Thank you. And I'm going to even take it a step further. Future ready could be surprise ready. That's true. Yeah. Because they all knew they had a future, right? Any company in business was hoping for a future, but they didn't know what the surprise was going to be. And I'm using surprise instead of disruption because I think it's over. We talk about disruptive technologies. We talk about disruptive marketplaces. But surprise, shockproof, shock ready, right? It was a surprise. It was a shock to everybody personally and business-wise. So I'm going to go with shock ready or surprise ready. Mike is nodding. Let's go around the table. Arjun, you're sitting virtually next to Torsten, whether you knew it or not. So why don't you comment, agree or disagree with very interesting points Torsten made there. Very interesting. Arjun, and then Mike, you'll you'll come in third. So Arjun, go ahead, please. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with uh, Torsten on this one because the, the surprise readiness, and to your point, Bonnie, is where um, investment in platforms and capabilities with a long-term view becomes extremely critical, right? Because you are not looking at the playing field that you're building for the next year or two. This is about building playing fields for the next generation. And when I say playing field, it's about the technology investments and, and capabilities, talent. That's another thing that typically you know is, is in this um, foresight how do you make sure that your future work is also understood? So that's actually to be part of this conversation. And 
being nimble and agile has become, and, and also to your point, Bonnie, around when you get you know, surprises, how are you resilient? Yes, mm-hmm. you get punched in the face, uh, then, but how fast and quickly can you get up? Yep. Um, for example, you know, Nike, when the whole the pandemic kicked in, they, they were so nimble in their supply chain that they were actually able to reroute the merchandise to stores to merchandise to their e-com fulfillment centers in a jiffy, right? For that to be happening, you have to have thought through all these readiness exercises with that platform and investment that you've done so that you can actually not just have that as a thoughtware, but that investment pays off because you're actually be able to execute that readiness when you have those sort of shocks. Thank you very much. Let's go to Mike Bechtel. Join us. Thoughts on what Torsten proposed and or what Arjun commented. Go ahead, Mike. So, you know, the, the, this, is a, this is a trifecta of agreement. Um, mm-hmm. In building on Arjun's point, you know, chance favors the prepared. And, and so no matter how zany the, the, these black swan events are, you're better to be trained in readiness and adaptability than not. Um, you know, a, a short point that I'd build on, on both these gentlemen's points, um, having had a front row seat and, and Arjun, a, a bit of a thumb on the scale to emerging tech for, for 20 plus years, you start to realize that today's newfangledness is tomorrow's legacy system. And, you know, just as, as we've <laughs> helped, helped folks try to figure out how to change that old creaky COBOL thing, one day our successors are going to have to figure out how to change that creaky AngularJS something, which, which is all to say uh, there's a Hippocratic oath, I think, as technology leaders where we want to do no harm. And we want to, we, how do we do that for our successors? I, I think what you've both sort of hit on is saddle them with options, not obligations. Give, give them a little bit of freedom as opposed to commitments. And, and we can go a long way towards <clears throat> future-proofing. Why are you picking on COBOL? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Bonnie. You, you slung a little COBOL at one point, I right? Slung a little. I was a full, ma- full-time mainframe computer programmer analyst specializing in COBOL on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 just before Honeywell bought Xerox and it became Honeyox Company. That's what they called it. And then PL1 on an IBM 4341. I go back to the key punch days. I was carrying boxes of 2000 Hollerith cards with my code. And I remember once an operator called me at three in the morning. He said, we just had an ab end on card number 736. And I said, okay, hold on. I sat at the edge of the bed, eyes closed, dark, didn't have lights on. I said, give me a second here. I said, okay, go back three cards enter a zero in the, on the, de- on the uh, console, and I will wait four minutes uh, on the edge of my bed for you to, to call me back if it doesn't work. And I said, if you don't call me back, I'm going back to sleep. And it worked. You had to know your thousands of lines of code backwards, forwards, inside out. You had to know where. Anyway, just a, a funny comment there. Thank you. Don't pick on COBOL. Torsten, that was a really great comment you made. Great around the table. Anything you want to say back to your uh, your co-panelists? Because I, I have a statement ready for Arjun. But Torsten, anything you want to give them right now? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I would agree with surprise ready, right? And also, I think this was, I appreciate the comments that were complimentary, I guess. And also, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, with the comment, Mike made that obviously it's about option, not about obligation, right? I think this the whole conversation, I guess, which we have around future proof and in the context at least of the business environment, and is is to help you know companies to understand that they need to have the right tool set in place, you know, and to think about what their value and their outcome is they want to achieve, you know, to basically be future and surprise ready. Thank you very much. All good points, Torsten. And now let's go to Arjun. Arjun has sent me the following statement. He says, many organizations are overwhelmed with a sudden pace of change in digitalization or digitization of everything. And he adds, everything has an AI, cloud, or cyber tag to it with little focus on what outcomes it can help achieve. So is that the flavor of the day or let's just embrace technology for the sake of saying we have it? Arjun, why don't you expand this for us? Then we'll go around the table. Absolutely, Bonnie. 
one of the things that you're seeing in the marketplace is that you know you've got new words, new terms almost every week, every day when coming up, right? So you've got parts to AI, machine learning, blockchain, uh, quantum computing. Now that's the big deal. So, and, and these are all great capabilities in, in the tool set, uh, but organizations are really overwhelmed on how do I approach this? And if I go back to the soup Nazi analogy, they're like, okay, AI check, I did that, I did blockchain check, I have a pilot project on that, and you know, hopefully I'm ready for the future, right? And, and what's happening is that you've got a host of projects that are going live, and most of these are like pilots. And what we are seeing in the, in the marketplace is that there are a lot of pilots, but not great um, value generation that is sort of turned into so that they can actually create marketplace for themselves. So how do we shift away from getting overwhelmed with all these terminologies and capabilities that are coming, growing every day? Um, it's simple, actually, because the, the, the market challenge and the opportunity has been always the same. The CFO is still talking about how do I reduce my costs? How do I improve my margins? The, market, the CMO is still asking about how do I give a better uh, consumer experience? How do I improve my NPS scores? The you know, chief talent officer is asking how do I get the of the best talent experience. You know, same thing, those questions, those objectives and outcomes have all have been the same certain constants. How do we get back to that and say, okay, those are what we want to achieve, right? That's what the value is. And how do we then use all of these new sets of tool sets and capabilities and investments to go back to that North Star? I think the lack of the North Star and, and in, in resulting in a lot of these, I won't say failed projects, but there are tons of investment, but there's failed value generation um, that's happening out there. Thank you very much. Great points, Arjun. Let's go around the table. Mike Bechtel, you're virtually sitting next to Mr. Krishnamurthy. Go ahead, Mike. What do you think? Agree or disagree? Be bold. Uh, uh, <laughs> to, to channel the energy from my Gen X alternative youth. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> I'm with you, dude, because I think that lack of North Star, as you call it, uh, it results in random acts of digital. Random acts of digital, people filling out a bingo card of sorts and, and declaring victory, and, and that's how you get failure. And so um, it, the blizzard of buzzwords is absolutely the wrong way to tackle the future. You know, my team and I recently put together a, 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 a perspective we call a brief history of the future. And what we recognized was that since about 1830-something, information technology has pretty much just been a, 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 a nonstop train of interfaces, computation, and databases. And it always looks new, and it always looks crazy, and it always looks random. But when you back up the lens right? Futurists are closet historians, right? When you back up the lens, you realize that there's a trajectory and it's enduring. And so that North Star, where's it going? Interfaces are getting simpler. Okay, great. Now we know where to put our eggs, right? Computation's getting more abundant. Okay, now we know where to invest. So I'm with you, Arjun, for sure. And Mike, before I go to Torsten on this one, I just have a little reference point here. You quoted, um, it was about... Let's see, chance favors the prepared. The quote is, dans les champs de l'observation, le hasard ne favorise qui les l'espéré préparé. It's from Louis, uh, Louis, Louis Pasteur, actually, in a lecture at the University of Lille on the 7th December, 1854. I'm reading here, and that was the French. In the fields of observation, chance favors only the prepared mind. So I bumbled and stumbled through the French, just wanted you to know. Let's go to Torsten. What do you think, Torsten? Sorry for the sidetrack, but I had to give a, a reference for the quote. Go ahead, Torsten. What's your thought on this one? Yeah, I think we're likely all in agreement on this one, right? I mean, we obviously seem to make similar experiences that in many cases, right, you know, the, all the new technologies are used to check a box in often. Uh, quite often, but also they're just enablers, right? If you don't understand what you want to accomplish, what the outcome is you want to achieve, the tool, you know, like machine learning or cloud or cyber, whatever, you know, it doesn't do anything, right? I mean, you need to make it and put it to action, make it work, and you need to understand, right, what you want to 
what the target stage is and how you want to get there and how those kind of technologies help you to achieve that, right? And I think this is likely, you know, what everybody has referred to to the North Star, right? That there needs to be a clear direction, a target which you want to accomplish at the end. Um, the, the other thing which I would say, which goes along with that is that, you know, those tools, as I said, are tools, but to make them really meaningful and help you to achieve the the value and the desired outcome, you'll have to change, right? Which means usually there is a transformational change which goes along with that. And this means change of business processes, change of uh, organization, change of well-established things, which you need to be willing to do. Otherwise, you know, those tools are just doing exactly the same thing, you know, with more effort than what you do today, right? And I think this is sometimes what likely is not fully realize that, you know, you know, just introducing technology and leveraging best-in-class stuff is not helping you to transform the, uh, the organization, your business, and achieve better, you know, outcomes. Thank you very much. Arjun, this was your statement. Do you want to comment back to Mike and or Torsten? Go ahead. Yeah, I agree with uh, both uh, Mike and Torsten, especially, uh, Torsten, your point around the the, the thinking about investments and how do we make sure that that is always you know, future-proof, but more from a value perspective. And, and Mike, to your point around the, uh, the whole idea of um, not just you know, in, in investing for the sake of investing, right? Thinking about how do we use these platforms? How do we think about those North Stars and, and move forward? Thank you very much. I'm going to make a statement here. I think our topic is so timely, obviously, Brad Bork, and thank you for selecting this and the people you work with, Brad, because think about where businesses are today. It's We're, we're recording the show. It's mid-April, almost late April 2021. The surprise happened. The impacts happened. The disruptions happened. Think about how much wiser and smarter businesses are, not only those that are still standing, but those that failed, those that got tanked, those that couldn't stand up from the impacts of the pandemic. Think about how those business leaders might be smarter, savvier, more forwards compatible in their next business. We all know so many people who are right serial entrepreneurs. So think about the lessons learned for future readiness, for surprise proofing or surprise readiness or a surprise armor, something. There have to be lessons learned that companies can take with them into their future, whether it's with the same company or another, or even as employees, because everybody got tipped over <laughs> and, and, and standing up straight in the next round is going to be what's important. Let's just do a quick crystal ball predictions round. I know we didn't want to talk about crystal ball here, Mike Bechtel, but you know how I always like to end these shows. Let's do a quick prediction on either the topic of future proofing or how businesses shoulda, woulda, coulda learned from the past 14 months. Let's take it in that direction. Mike, let me give you a, a 60 second prediction and then we'll go to Torsten and then we'll go to Arjun and then we'll wrap up and I have a bunch of gratitude at the end. So Mike, go ahead. What do you see? Well, I think one of the things, one of the things that are, that I'm seeing Bonnie is this recalibration towards creators. And, and here's what I mean. So, you know, venture capitalist uh, and, and activist and all around colorful character, Peter Thiel famously said, competition is for losers. This idea that if, if you're caught playing a, a symmetrical game against some combatant, bad news, it's a race to low margins and some game maker is profiting on your gladiatorial combat. Well, something else I've learned with that is that we're all critics. There are a lot of folks sitting around spectating and rooting for competitor A versus competitor B. And it shows up in business, it shows up in politics and all the other stuff we can't talk about. But I'll tell you, uh, the future belongs to creators. Folks who look to the left and look to the right, right, figuratively, not politically, and say, I'm going to engineer a better way forward, a, mm -hmm. a, a surprise-proof way, et cetera. So um, if you find yourself arguing about how you cut up the pie, if you find yourself complaining about pie, you're doing it wrong. Bake new pies. Be a creator. Love it. Torsten, 60-second prediction. You're up. What do you think? What do you see? 
Well, I think, you know, the the impact which the crisis had has sustainable or will sustainably change how businesses are going to interact. I think, you know, there will be much stronger emphasis on making sure you have those kind of trends and signals from the marketplace built into your business environment. So if you will, the experience data, but also I think we'll see significant change in the supply chain and how the supply chains have been, will be designed to basically be more resilient and also to be more responsive to changing market demand and those kind of events. I think last but not least, there will be also a big change on the workforce. When you think about now all the digital experience, the next generation of professionals has with working from home. And I see this here with my kids when they have all those classroom environments digitally. You know, I think it will also obviously impact the way how future is being done in the business. I think we'll much more remote collaboration and, you know, to um, and also some change in terms of how businesses will collaborate and set up their relationships going forward. Thank you, Torsten. Arjun, you get almost the last word, 60 seconds. What do you see? Go ahead. Uh, I see uh, between winners and losers, um, people who the organizations and people who are creators, like, like Mike said, but that will actually make it a future where talent becomes an, uh, an extremely important uh, role. So organizations that actually invest in talent, so the talent is people who actually put big bets, creators, and ready for the future. And those are the organizations that actually set the future versus the rest being perishing. Thank you very much. I have a bunch of shout outs to do. First of all, thank you to our three esteemed panelists, Mike Bechtel at Deloitte, always always inspiring. Mike Torst and Lydic, it's so nice to see you and speak with you after a couple of years in between. Arjun Krishnamurthy, delighted to have you on, learned so much from you. Thank you. Thank you to Brad Borkin and Susan Walker, sponsors of the series. And thank you to two people in the background today who have helped put this show together, Sylvie Otten-Solid and Jean-Michel, I'm going to use the French, Lauzon. Thank you so much to both of you. Thank you to everyone for, for being here. Thank you to Aaron Kelly our engineer at Voice America, the business channel. This show will be available on Thursday, the 22nd of April, 2021. Wishing everybody a surprise-proof future, or at least be ready. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Think Tank Radio, conversations in a digital world. Everybody wave goodbye. Thanks again for tuning into Think Tank, conversations in a digital world. Presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Keep the conversation going by tweeting your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAP Radio. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel next time.